What is up, Golf Addicts? David here. Listen, Pat and I have an incredible show for you this week for the Masters in our hometown of Augusta, Georgia. We've got Stephen Bowditch is going to kick off the show. We have an incredible interview with Stephen. He was such a great sport. He's now one of our favorite players on tour. You know, Pat ripped him a new one a couple weeks on the show. Stephen gets a heartfelt apology from Pat this week on the show accepts and moves on and even sticks around to you know talk about some players on tour that he thinks have a great shot at doing well this week at the Masters in our hometown event at the Augusta National. Pat and I will bring our picks following the Stephen Bowditch interview. It's going to be a great show. As always, if you do not follow us on Twitter, check us out at tour underscore junkies. We really appreciate the follow. We've got a lot of good stuff going on this week. We'll be putting up a lot of stuff on Twitter. It's going to be good. And, you know, good luck to all the listeners. In the Listener League, this this week will be our first time doing the Listener League. So, um, you know, good luck to everyone. We hope you get the green screen disease, not on our expense, though. And if you do get some, you know, some money off that Millie Maker lineup, be sure to, to tweet that and let us know. We wish you all the best of luck and have a great Masters. May your screens be green and enjoy the podcast. Stephen Bowditch coming at you. All right, golf addicts, um, man, we have got a really special, special guest on the show for the Masters preview. Um, you guys know him as just you know a, a great, great PGA pro who you know is engaging the fans on Twitter. Just a cool guy. He's a bomber. He's a scrambler. You know, so he, he checks those boxes, if you will. We've got our boy Stephen Bowditch from Australia on the line with the Tour Junkie. Stephen, how you doing, man? What's up, boys? Mister Eighty sitting here talking. Man, we we are we are loving having you on, and um, you know, Stephen, we just appreciate the time. Are, are you a uh, you know? First of all, I want to ask you. You know, how did you hear about the Tour Junkies show? Or, or, you know, how did you find us on, on Twitter or our podcast? Uh, I just got a, I got a random random text from a buddy who, uh, I, I guess he, uh, he listened to the show, and he said that Pat might have been uh, bagging me a little bit, and uh, I figured I'd put up the podcast and, and have a listen, and, uh, yeah, he, he was. <laughs> <laughs> so, so... So tell me, you know, first of all, did you listen to the whole show? I did, yeah. Listen to everything. Yeah, absolutely. And 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 when you got to that section where Pat where where Pat kind of, you know, bagged you a little bit in your words, what what was going through your head at that time? <laughs> Man, it was it was well deserved. I mean, yeah, I've been copping a fair bit of uh, fair bit of slack from uh, from the Twitter world, I guess, of uh, how bad I've been playing and. Rightly so, and uh, yeah, just figured I'd reply. I mean, yeah, I'm I'm Australian, so I figured I'd uh, try and respond a little bit in the, the way I know I have. Well, it's pretty great, man. And and I mean, are you are you typically a you know kind of a guy on tour that that responds and engages with people on Twitter, whether they're trolling you or whether they're fans? I mean, is that something that you do regularly? Uh, a little bit, you know. I'm not a. I've never really been a big Twitter. Fan. Twitter guy, I guess you want to call it, till the last probably couple of months, and I just sort of sat there and watched it and listened and read and did all that kind of stuff, and 
And uh, yeah, finally, I just sort of threw the hands in the air and said, all right, let's let me throw the ball back. Because, <laughs> you know, like, you know, among some of the Twitter world and, and the golf world, you know, fantasy players and stuff like that, I would say the Twitter darling would be Will Wilcox just because he's pretty engaging on Twitter, but he's also, you know, you know, he'll tweet out, you know, whether or not you should play him for that week or whether you shouldn't, uh, and he's real engaging with the fans. But it does seem like recently you've you've been pretty engaging with the fans as well, and you know, it's it'll get you a fair amount of love on Twitter, man. I mean, the, you know, the people that talk PGA on Twitter just. You know, they just want players to be real, and they want players to engage, and that's what you're doing, and it's a pretty cool thing to see. And, uh, you know, had you heard about Will Wilcox or any other players on Twitter kind of, you know, responding to fans or, you know, either responding to trolls or saying to play me or not to play me? You know, it's one of those hard ones. You know, when when Twitter really first kicking off, it was one of those ones that, you know, whatever you say, you know, is basically going to be in the public eye. And I, I think these days, you know, whenever that was, what? five, six years ago when it really started to get rocking. And I think, you know, in the last sort of year or so, it's sort of more exactly what you're saying. It's more just engaging with fans. It's not really what the what the guys in the newspaper and the television, or not that it really matters to me, but, you know, <laughs> you know yeah. 1980s, they really don't care. But, uh, you know, what, what you say really doesn't come out that much. And, and I think everyone's just sort of, Backed it down a few levels, and it's more of just fan engagement and having fun. And you know, as you say, it's you know, guys trying to make a little bit of money for a bit of fun, whether they're you know, whether they're gambling on. And you know, it's not, uh, I do the same with basketball, and you know, not that I go out and tweet, tweet things about you know, the basketball players or the baseball players, but I'm, I'm still engaged with how they're playing and how they're not, and, and all their reactions and stuff. It's, it's a pretty neat deal, and you know. It's something that everyone, yeah, everyone loves. That's right, man. We and we really appreciate it. So, but before we get started, you know, my my buddy Pat, as as you you mentioned and, and we alluded to, kind of gave you some heat on a couple of podcasts ago on our first impressions podcast for the Masters, and you know, he definitely feels bad about it. As as you may have heard, we tend to to sip a little podcast juice, as we like to call it, while we're while we're doing the show and um you know maybe that had something to do with it but but you know when pat knew when pat heard that you wanted to come on the show and uh that you were willing and you were being a good sport about it he he wrote down a sincere apology and and we want him to read that to you Stephen. and you know it's up to you whether or not you accept the apology and we continue on with this interview or look if you want me to throw pat out of this i can totally do that just me and you can talk so i'm gonna let pat say his piece and then you do your thing how's that sound Ah oh, man, yeah, I've, I've finally got the uh, got that shoe out of my uh, out of my arm, <laughs> so uh, I'm I'm good to go. <laughs> All right, well here here's uh, here's Pat, man. We're gonna let him take it take it away. All right, Stephen, I, I know that you've been waiting for this for a long time, and you know I've been quiet so far on this podcast, and. But I, I, I want to read you this apology because uh, I took a lot of time writing it out, and and I think you need to hear it. So here he goes. Baby, I'm sorry. Please forgive me for all the wrong I've done. Please come back home, girl. I know you put all your trust in me. I'm sorry. Mr. Bowditch, 
I first of all want to thank you for coming on our pathetic show and allowing me the privilege of expressing my deepest apologies for the harsh words I mentioned a few weeks ago on a podcast of ours. Please accept my apology. I did not mean what I said when I said the masters should rescind your invite. It was all in jest, and I was only doing it because my co-host has been pressuring me to be funnier and more colorful. (laughs) You unfortunately (laughs) fell victim to my feeble attempt. Nor should I have made the gesture that I was throwing up in my mouth. I should realize that even though you play on the inside of the ropes, I am merely a spectator, and, and I am merely a spectator on the outside, that you are still a person just like me. You have feelings. I should also be understanding that I too know what it feels like to shoot in the 80s. Although shooting in the 80s for me is actually a good thing, whereas it's a bad thing for you. But if I were to shoot a 102, that would be like you shooting in the 80s, which would be a bad thing also, and you would not like it just like I would not like shooting a 102. So please, Mr. Bowditch, accept my apology and thank you for coming on the Tour Junkies podcast where we can talk golf or anything else you want, especially now as we have hopefully put this all behind us. I'm sure you're a lovely person, and your best golf days are surely ahead of you. Please, Mr. Bodix, accept this apology. Man, I'm just, I'm just reaching for the Kleenex right now. <laughs> 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 That's awesome, buddy. Yes, I do accept your apology. Oh, that's so good. Now I can relax, and I can actually talk on this podcast now. <laughs> we, we were going to give him the hush uh, if, if you didn't accept, man. We were going to put him in timeout. Yeah, I couldn't do that. I like him too much. <laughs> man, you've been a great... You've been a great sport about it, though. I, I love that. I don't know if I could, I, I, you know, if I were in your shoes and somebody was telling me they were throwing up in their mouth or the, the, the masters were sending their invite, I don't know if I would have taken it quite so well. But, um, so that being said. Actually, actually, I can tell you, Stephen, that he would not. You know how I know that? Oh, gosh. Jeez. Do, do you know? What's that? Uh, do you know how I know that he would not take that well? Because... We have had some podcast. We should have some behind the scenes conversations recorded because we've had some podcasts where, you know, I got a little colorful in my conversation, and Pat would hang up the phone and immediately call me and cuss me out <laughs> upside and down the other because I made fun of him too much and he didn't like it. So I can tell you right now, you're a better sport than Pat. Yeah, is. you are. That, that well, is my, true. My, my problem is I got no ammo on him. <laughs> True. Trust me, Stephen. I don't even know what his Twitter page is. Is that good or bad? <laughs> well, you know, he don't need to know. <laughs> he's kept that. He's kept that quiet on purpose. Um, trust me, though, you will have some dirt on him soon enough. Okay. Just trust me. Um, but with that being said, let's let's get going in this, and let's talk first about some golf, and let's talk about Augusta, and uh, and then we'll get into some fun stuff. Yeah, definitely. So, Stephen, you know, first off, you know, this being the week of Augusta, tell me a little bit about your first trip to Augusta, what that was like, what you were feeling, and and just kind of give us a little insight into how that week was for you. Well, man, you know, back in, you know, way back in 2014, <laughs> it was, uh, I, I, I 
always grew up um, watching TV, you know, because it was 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning when Augusta come on on Sundays, um, on Monday morning back home in Australia. So I'd, I'd take my pillows up and watch it with my watch it with my dad, and I'm like, man, that'd be so cool to play. And I said to myself, back then I was 12 or 13, I said, you know what, I'll never step foot on that golf course. You know, we're lucky enough to be able to... Um, being on the PGA Tour to sort of know a few people to be able to get us on. And uh, I said to myself, I will never, ever step foot on that golf course until I've earned the right to play in, you know, this week. And uh, so I didn't. So 2014, I I was lucky enough to uh, get a start. And Monday, I don't know if you guys recall, Monday I'm out there, I drive through Magnolia Lane. I actually drove through and then got out and walked back down it and took photographs and I was so pumped up. It balls on the range, all ready to go. You know, it's been probably 20 years, well, 15 years since I since I even, you know, had that thought in my mind. And uh, I, I get out there hitting balls, siren rings. I'm like, oh boy, the siren rings. I said, wait for 30 minutes, wait for an hour. Come about 12 o'clock. They said, no, cancel for the day. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> so I've waited 20 years for this, and you're going to cancel my practice round. So I'm sort of mad. I'm Australian. feel like a beer. Walk across the road to the Eagle's Nest. I walk across, have a couple of beers, and I look over, and all these boys are hollering, having a great time. And I walk over there, and I go, what are you boys doing? Oh, we're playing... I'm playing the third hole of Augusta. I'm like, you're joking. I said, all right, I'll play. So I waited 15 years to play on a fucking simulator. <laughs> <laughs> and that was my first round at Augusta. Was on a simulator across the road at the Eagles Nest. <laughs> <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> uh. so, yeah, so, so, so this time, um, yeah, we're just going to go out and uh, hopefully... Uh, Hopefully Monday afternoon, go out and, and take it up and have a nice round of Augusta. Hey, man, two years later, Tiger's playing on a simulator too, so maybe you were on to something. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to have his record rather than mine. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, what's it uh, – I remember that Monday. That was a good Monday for me because I actually won tickets in the lot, in the lottery that year <laughs> and then and then sold them for a lot of money to some stranger. And then, and then it got rained out. And so then I got a letter in the mail that said, in 2015, we're going to give you your four Mondays since they were rained out. <laughs> you did, you did yeah, I sure did. I mean, the National did it. And then I sold them to some random dude, so it's not like I could call him and be like, hey, man, you know, here I'm being a good citizen right now. I'm going to give you these four Mondays. I just made more money off of them. <laughs> oh, God. All right, here's a question, here's a question for you. What do you boys think about this? So we get... And we get we get eight tickets, right? Free, and then we can buy another four um, weekly passes. I'm talking about. We can buy another four for four hundred each, right? Is it bad that players sell them, or they do not buy <sighs> over? Um. <laughs> I mean, I would sell them in a second, but I mean, because if <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're getting four day badges for four hundred bucks. We're, we're getting, we're, yeah, we get we get twelve total, no matter who you are. Know for a fact that 
defending champion has the same as round as me. Yeah, I mean, I, I would. So, so we get eight free, and then we get twelve, and then we get we can buy another pool. You know, one of the things that we found on our show, like we talked to John Peterson about. You know, John's only played it once, and he played it on a web.com exemption, which was some weird anomaly thing. But, you know, he talked about how expensive it is, man. And, like, everybody thinks that you guys just get everything handed to you. And, you know, when you come to Augusta as a player, I mean, I know for a fact you're, you're going to pay, you know, 10 grand or 20 grand to stay in a place. Um, you know, it's not always the cheapest, the cheapest, you know, route. And you're going to do it because it's Augusta. But at the same time, if you could get four badges and sell them, sh- I mean, I would sell them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you could get what two or three grand a badge so. at least. Yeah. I mean, hey, I know. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I've got weekend badges. I got three weekend badges, and I'm like, mm, not sure if they'll ever let me back in if I sell them. Well, if they, yeah, if they caught you, <laughs> they may have a. Tra- I don't know. They could probably keep anybody out. But what, even if you earn your way on, like you did. I mean, so. if you're, I mean, what are you gonna do? You just well, be like. You just say, hey, man, Byron Nelson, I'm in. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, but I'm pretty sure they got it. Our name's barcoded. Yeah, I mean, they're... They give us. Yeah, that's... I don't know. I, I think you'd only get in trouble, though, if somebody got in trouble with your badges. That's the thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to roll the dice. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. So, you know, what's the... You know, you being... Um, you know, you, you, this being your second time playing Augusta, what is like? What's how many times have you played it? Like outside of the tournament, do you guys do you come here often and play with another member? Or, or? no, not me. This is this will be like, like, yeah. As I said, I turned up that Monday, um, and that'll be you know, Monday play Tuesday and got through till Sunday, and then um, yeah. So this will be what number seven, seven, seventh round tomorrow. What, what just you know from what you've seen of the golf course and what you know of the golf course what what kind of player do you think Augusta suits in 2016 because obviously the course has changed over the years you know what kind of player do you think it suits and then you know how do you think it suits your game or what's the part of, of Augusta that you think you're going to struggle with the most and and what part do you think you'll be the most comfortable with yeah, that's a hard one you know it's it sort of used to be a right to left golf course you know you got to be able to you know you got to be able to fade it for a left hand or a turn it turn it with a uh, with a right hander but I think it's got so long these days that it's sort of null and void you know it's it's one of those ones that's and either Bomber's really gonna win it or someone you know someone like a Zach Johnson or a, you know or Jordan Spieth like a really good putter that's got a great short game I, I think maybe four or five years ago you, you could have said you know left handers have really got the advantage based on Based on technology these days, you know, it's getting harder and harder for us, for good golfers, professional golfers, to really turn the golf ball. You know, they're making these drivers so hot that it's really so much easier to hard fade than what it is to hard draw. Um, yeah. And I think it's sort of changing a little bit now where, you know, three woods are so hot, you know, like number two, you can hit it, you know, you can hit a three wood, three wood and, and get it. You know, on the green or a roundabout, where you never really be able to do that. You sort of used to hit the hit the driver and then see what you had. You know, thirteen's um, the same. You know, you can really hit um, you know three wood and then a four, five, whatever it is these days. Because three woods are so hot. So I think the games 
sort of changing a bit um, in the last five or six years just based on technology. And I, I think it's really brought a, a lot more people into it on that golf course. Look, man, if you need some guys to show you how to how to slice the golf ball with new technology, me and Pat can show you guys can that. Again. I, mean, I got slice covered right now. Don't worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> slice covered. <laughs> so, all right, let's talk. Let's talk specifically for you, though. What What are the parts of Augusta that you just you know you see yourself doing really well with? Because you, I mean, you're kind of a bomber. I mean, you can get the ball out there a good bit. So. You know, where do you think your advantage lies, and 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 maybe even the things that you're you're going to have to focus on even harder at Augusta? You know, I, I think the uh, for me, you know, I'm 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 definitely a left or right player off the tee. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to add a, probably a, a little bit of length to my tree wood this week, j- just for that reason. I I, I think that uh, you know you can still hit fades in there. You can still you know, into the greens, but I think that the high bomb three wood is going to be a, a pretty important thing this week. Um, so I'm sort of really concentrating on those par fives. I know it's a, you know, it's pretty normal around there, but uh, you know, the rest of the golf course, you know, if you, if you can probably play the par fives, you know, I'm probably going to say, I don't know, I, I haven't seen how they how they cut uh, how they cut the chipping areas and all that kind of stuff. But you know, if you can sort of play them eight to Eight to twelve under, you know. I think you're going to be in good shape, and I think sort of the way Zach Johnson really played it this year. I think you're going to see a few more people play it that way, um, and that's how I'm sort of going to approach it. You know, my my short games, you know, all my stats this year haven't been great um, at all, as you can see. But sort of the last couple of years, you know, my, my wedge games been pretty good. So if I can, uh, if I can, you know, bring that back in the next uh, week or so. I think that'll be in, be in good shape for me. So tell us a little bit. You know, you're talking about your game, though. Um, I, I know you mentioned you struggled, and and obviously we we've talked about that some. But you know, you started off a little bit hot. You know, on the on the front nine at Shell Houston, and you know, what's kind of coming around with your game, and and you know, what are you working on the most just to kind of get it back to where you want it to be? Yeah, you know, I've been. I mean, it hasn't really been. Um, hasn't been great, obviously. I've been struggling with a with a wrist injury and all that kind of stuff, but you know it's no excuse. But uh, you know, I had a shot a couple of weeks ago and, and started to see some signs last week where I, I got my strength back in my in my left wrist and not flipping the golf club and not catching my driver out of the toe. So uh, you know, to be honest, my irons have been pretty good and and uh, my short game's been horrible only because I've been working way too much on my on my long game and uh, so now the last. You know, last week or so, I've really been working on my short game. So hopefully that comes back. And you know, I shot shot seventy four today around my local, which was pretty good. And uh, and uh, you know, it, it's going good. It, it, it'll all be. I think I'll be I'll be surprised. Well, everyone might be surprised next week. Put it that way. Nice. That's what we like to hear. Yeah. What's like. so? What's local for you though, Stephen? Where are you living now? I'm in Dallas. So uh, I actually played with a played a game of wolf today with the with the boys uh, out of a little club called General Creek and and uh, yeah hit hit driver driver off the last and made a thirty footer and uh, for eagle and took the money. That was not driver driver, huh? What's all right? So give us a little listener tip real quick. What's what do you what's the key to hitting the driver off the deck? Oh wow! Well, what, what, 
mean, it's hard these days, man. With you know, there's there's not a great deal of spin on the driver anymore. But I actually try to. Obviously, the ball's more than likely if you get it in the air is going to go left or right. So I really try to hit a hit a high draw with taking a divot. Is what I and it, the ball's still going to go left or right, but I, I try to hit a high draw with taking a divot. Shit, so you. Shit, you just confused the hell out of me. I don't understand what you... You said it's going to cut left or right, and you tried to hit a high draw. You lost me. I'm going to need a new tip. Yeah, if you, if you, if you, try, to hit a, if you try to hit a cut with a driver off the deck, yeah, you might be in uh, yeah. oh, uh, trouble. Yeah. All right, so uh, that's, a good, that's a good tip. Pat, Pat should hit driver off the deck a lot. He can't hit it very far, uh, so he'll probably take that I tip. I hit it right. straight, though. You yeah. do hit it straight. I don't yeah. hit it straight. Um, all right, so tell us a little bit about your caddy, man, because you know we've had we've had we had Paul Tesori on the show a couple weeks ago, and Paul's been just a great guy uh, and a fan of the Tour Junkies. I caddied a little bit at Augusta uh, for the members, which is a very different experience, obviously, than being a pro caddy. But talk about your caddy, how long you've been with your caddy, and kind of what you guys do as far as preparation and your relationship, and what it's like out on the course with with him. Yeah, I've actually got a, uh, I got a guy, Caddy, he started Caddy for me last year, um, about, uh, yeah, about this time, probably a couple of weeks out, just before the barn, he started Caddy for me, Neil Wallace, and, uh, he Caddy for Sergio for quite some time, um, and, uh, obviously we, we had a pretty good year, you know, we finished top 20 on the FedEx last year, um. And then decided to uh, not change caddies, but, but bring another one in to do a job share um, with, with another guy, and and uh, that unfortunately hasn't worked out. And uh, so Neil hasn't uh, Neil worked at um, Tournament of Champions, and then Sony, um, and he did pretty good there. And then uh, so he's back this week. So uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully he, bring, he brings a good vibes. But you know, there, there, there's nothing like a good caddy. You know, it's it's a hard one to explain. It's uh, you know, people always ask me what makes a good caddy. Well, I don't really understand. You know, it's well, all these guys out here are really good. It's, it's more it's more self management. You know, understanding the actual player's body language, understanding um, what they're thinking. You know, being being basically. Um, he's going to be, you know, Neil's very much in my skin as much as I'm in his skin. You know, he he, he feels it as much as I do. You know, we, we've had fights on the range after we, you know, bogey the last couple of holes. You know, he's he, he's as mad as I am, which is uh, you know, which is pretty cool. You know, to, to to understand the intensity that that he's going through. You know, he's got a family and he's got you know he's, he's got his career and he wants to do the best the best we can. You know, it's it's a uh, it's a pretty cool deal. It's it's hard to get, it's hard to get that match. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, you know, outside of golf, though, and we're going to get into to talking a little bit about uh, this Masters tournament and maybe some players here, but. You know what are what are kind of your interests outside of golf? You know what do you like to do on your downtime? Um, you know who 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 do you hang out with? Maybe when you're you're out on tour, you know just kind of give us a little glimpse into the the life of Stephen Bowditch outside of golf. Man, you know I'm not a uh, you know I didn't grow up. I grew up fishing a little bit. 
you know, but I didn't, uh, I didn't really, you know, we don't have guns back home, um, you know, all, all the kind of cool stuff over here, we, I just never really grew up in it, and, uh, you know, probably my best buddy on tour that I hang out with and travel with is Boot, so, uh, you can imagine what goes on there. So, uh. wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Yeah. Yeah. Your best buddy on tour is Boo Weekly? Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm basically, I'm the caddy that carries the natural lights. And, uh, <laughs> oh my God. The, the accents between you two just could not be any, any further apart. I mean, you guys are, are, are buddies from two different worlds. Yeah, I don't know. It's just, uh, yeah, we just we got the same coach, and uh, yeah, we just, uh, yeah, we're probably best buds. Yeah. Does Boo ever say something, and you're just like, "What the hell are you talking about?" <laughs> no, nah, I'm pretty good, you know. I'm, I, I get, I get ninety ninety-eight percent of it, you know, because I'm <laughs> I'm married to an American, but there's a few things that I say that, uh, yeah, he's got no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> So you know you mentioned uh, you mentioned in the podcast in the beginning of the podcast you know basketball and, and kind of following players and stuff. So what are some other sports? Are you just kind of a sports nut, or what are you kind of into? I mean, I know you know I've got a buddy in Australia. He's huge into rugby, of course, and I love rugby. I wish it was bigger in the U.S. than it is right now. But if you're not watching golf, what are you what are you doing? Uh, yeah, I'm a big NBA fan. To be honest, that's um, that was only the, the only sport growing up that. Uh, was on TV, so uh, huh. you know that's I, I can. Uh, I love the NBA and and all that and uh, college. You know, I'm just not. You know, I love watching. I love watching all sports. I just uh, I don't really know enough about the teams and same as baseball. You know, I'm, I'm into it, but I'm not uh, not like I am NBA. So that's sort of my stick. So, are you a LeBron or Steph Curry guy right now? Right now. Right now, I'm a Steph Curry guy, only because I like to see, uh, my opinion, you know, something different and the best, you know, but I've always been a Heat fan. I've been a Heat fan since, I mean, I'm a big D-Wade fan. Oh, okay, yeah. So, uh, when I was, you know, when I was younger and whatever, it was, D-Wade was coming up, and, and he was my boy, so I'm, I'm still a big Heat fan, and, uh, yeah, but, uh, yes, yeah, Steph, I mean, unbelievable, I went and watched him, yeah. um, over here in Dallas, Put on that story quick, and uh, yeah, it's pretty cool to see. Do you know who I'm not a fan of in the NBA? Is Della Dova. <laughs> oh, come on, man. What's wrong with Della? I mean, that guy. All right, so I'm a Hawks fan. And Homer. And he is, he, I just, he's dirty. He's a hard, he's a hard player, but he's dirty, is, I, is what I think. I knew I'm touching a button though because he's Australian. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, if he was American, I could see he'd be dirty, but he's the same. Good. Uh, he's a hard player. I'm just messing with oh, him. I like I like Deladova, man. He was a stud last year. Man, he knocked out what's his name? Our three pointers shooters, Kyle Corver. Yeah, he knocked out Corver. All right, that's enough about. All right, that. yeah, that's enough about the NBA. <laughs> um, all right, man. So let's let's talk about this Masters field. I want to get, you know, your perspective as a player as much as possible. You know, when you look at this Masters field, 
I mean, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna rattle off who I think you know are are the are the biggest names and the and the favorites, if you will. You've obviously got Rory, Spieth, Adam Scott, Jason Day, Bubba Watson, Ricky Fowler, Phil's playing well right now. You got DJ, Justin Rose, Hendrick Stenson, um, Charles Swartzel, Hideki, and Louis Oosthuizen. To me, are kind of your group. You know, like the the best the best guys out there at the moment playing the best. What do you think about those guys? I mean, t- this year feels like one of those years where anybody – it's going to be so hard to win the Masters just because it feels like there's so many guys who are playing so well right now and can win this thing. What do you think about those guys at the top? Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, it's – one of those time, I mean, it's it, – if I were, and I'm not a betting man, I would probably go, but my top two would be Rory and Bubba. Just, just for the plain fact that they can hit it a mile and they move it, they both move it right to left. That, that'd kind of be my, my, my deal. And, and Phil's hard to, the way Phil's playing, it's, it's, it's sort of a hard one. Um, you know, and, and I actually, I said, I was on the range uh, this week or last week at Houston and, and watching Charles hit high bomb draws with his driver and then uh, and then uh, nice high left to right clubs with with his iron, you know, and, and that's basically how how Jack won won all he, he did with those uh, with those irons. That's a it's it's a pretty tough one. I'm with you, man. There, there's no there's no definitive outright winner there. I mean, do you think a guy like um, I mean, do you think Hideki's ready to win at Augusta? Do you think Stinson, who's come so close a couple times here recently, uh, do you think DJ, who you know Tita Green is just dominant, but the guy, I mean, you know, I know, I know Augusta did not wasn't crazy about the the scoring last year and how Spieth just ate it up. I would anticipate the green speeds this year being pretty quick. You think a guy like DJ can can finish the deal and make six footers for par when he needs to with the greens rolling at, at fourteen and uh, you know do you think those kind of guys can win this event this this year? Yeah, I really don't. I mean, it's, it's, it's such a hard one, you know. You know, DJ he's actually a really really good putter. You know, he's got a great stroke, great stroke for fast greens. Um, you know, and, and then you just slide in someone who, who moves it right to left is, is Ricky Fowler, and you know one of the best consistent putters out there right now. Um, you know, and it's, it's just a hard one. It's it's you know, I'm completely with you. You know, there's, there's probably ten guys at the top there that that uh, that that really at any given time can can make a make a quick run, and, and that's the beauty of Augusta too. You know, you can you, you can really get rolling there at any stage. You know, you. you you can get off to a good start. You know, you can uh, you can play really good through the middle, or you can finish really good. It, it's one of those golf courses where if, if you've got something going on, you can really make it uh, make it worthwhile. And you know, if you're putting good or you're driving it good, you, you can really take advantage of those uh, of any of the holes. Really, to be honest, are there any guys that you're that you would you know just kind of top of your mind that that you know might fly in under the radar coming into this tournament that maybe nobody's talking about i mean i know these like you know we're just talking about the top 10 guys here but you know who else out there do you think you know could could really surprise this week yeah you know i'm probably thinking i mean you've got 
Kramer out there. Yeah, but can 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 Keimer play at Augusta though? He he never plays well at Augusta. Well, I mean, I, I love Keimer. I mean, he's obviously what is it, two-time major winner, won the players all that. I mean, he just unfortunately just struggles with his uh, with his short game a little. You know, if, if he can strike, but um, he's going to be right there. And you know, probably. You know, I'm going to go. I'm going to get way out there. Well, not way out there, but someone who who hits it high, hits it right to left, good part of good shit. Harris English, he's my sneaky little. Will be there, I think. On uh, he's a Georgia boy. Yeah, he's a he's on, a he's a bulldog. Yeah. We, we we like those yeah, bulldogs. Yeah. So I like that pick. Um, I, I think he actually is a good sneaky play this week too. He's he's kind of on my list for that. Um, he's been playing well too this year. Yeah. Yeah, he has been playing good. Yeah, and and, and you know what? Pro- probably to be honest, the the best driver of the golf ball um, that I have played with um, in a long time who hits it high and smashes it, good putter, is uh, Scott Piercy. Not saying uh, I'm just saying Tita Green, really good, really really good. I've been talking to Pat a little bit. We've been talking a little bit about Scott Piercy. He's, uh, I think he's definitely flying under the radar a, a little bit. I think he's playing better this year. Yeah, he's, he's playing really good. Yeah. Uh, he's got a good caddy on the bag now, and uh, I think he's, yeah, he's, he's ready to uh, take it to the next level. You know, you know, going back up kind of near those those favorites, you've got Brendan Grace, who – is a right to left player. He doesn't he hit the ball a little low. I mean, do you think that's do you think that being able to carry and hit the ball higher is a big deal here at Augusta? Yeah, you know, I'm not really sure. I mean, I I think it is, but but, but it's so hard to you know. Every time someone says that to me, I, I always think it's Zach Johnson. You know what I mean? Just just positional player and and a really good putter. Um, and, and I think that's where Brendan really comes into play for this week, you know, being, as you said. You know, I, I think it's interesting to me that I, I guess the biggest narrative always when, you know, you're looking at, you know, picking players, you know, the week of the Masters is always those first-time participants. Why is that? I mean, what, what's the what's the deal with that? I mean, it's it's it always seems to ring true. I mean, Fuzzy Zeller was the – the first, uh, well, I guess he was the second first-time winner. The first was the first time they ever held the tournament. So, you know, why? It gives a little insight in, into what it's like, and, and you know why it may be tough for a first-time participant to do to do well in the tournament. Although, you know, I mean, you got a top thirty in your first time, yeah. so that's that's pretty freaking good. But yeah, I mean, it's just one of those deals. You know, you, you just grow up. You, you grow up watching. I mean, realistically, it's probably the. The, the one tournament, you know, as you were 9, 10, 11 years old growing up watching. Um, you know, it's, it's there, there, there's so much excitement in there. And, and, you know, most guys probably take till 27, 35, you know, sort of in that range to, to make it happen. Um, so it's just one of those deals where, you know, you, you, you want to do well, but you you know, it really takes you a good round or two to, to work out, you know, at the end of the day, it's still a golf, you know, golf tournament and, and still the same guys you normally play with. All right, I'm going to try to finish this podcast by saying Augusta 
for the rest of the podcast. <laughs> I'm going to see if I can do that. I'm going to see if I can mimic the Aussie accent and say Augusta without without saying Augusta. <laughs> let me let me just try this. All right, so if I look back at some more, you know, kind of the dropping down a little bit into some favorites here and some odds at a different group of gu- of, of golfers here at Augusta. Is that right, Augusta? <laughs> All right, I've got – so we mentioned Brendan Grace. Then you got Snedeker, who's been playing well, and uh, Sergio, Patrick Reed, Jimmy Walker, Brooks Kepka, who's been on the show before, Danny Willits, uh, fellow Aussie Mark Leishman, who's a nice guy. By the way, he, he signed a flag for my kid today and then gave him a ball marker. That was pretty cool. Uh, Matt Kuchar, and then our local boy, Kevin Kisner, at his first Masters. Out of that group, so Gray, Sneds, uh, Snedeker, Garcia, Reed, Walker, Kepka, Willett, Leishman, Kuchar, and Kisner, out of that group, who do you think what will have, you know, ha- has the best chance of having a great week I'll probably go with uh, out of that group. I'll probably go with Leash, um, not for the fact he's Australian, just for the fact that he's got a proven point here. You know what I mean? He was he was one of those famous pitchers uh, in Australian golf. Anyway, when when Scotty made that putt on eighteen, and and he was fist pumping behind playing with Scotty. Um, yeah. You know, and, and, and he finished. He finished second. Yeah. Think, or sorry, yeah. tied third or whatever it was. Um, you know, and and then Kepka, just because of the ball flight he hits, he can move it right to left and and smashes it. You know, it's uh, I'd, I'd probably take those two out of the bunch if uh, yeah, if, if I was playing. I love Brooks, man. He he didn't play that well this week at the Houston. Um, I was a little surprised by his. So, you know, thinking talking about that, like, what do you guys think? I mean, is you know, because we talk about current form, we talk about course history, and then we look at stats. Those are kind of the three things that we look at. How, you know, how much do you think those things matter? How much would you weight those things as a tour player? What's most important there? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, like his friends. I mean, I mean, last week, you know, just talking about Brooks a little bit, you know. Obviously, you want him to play really well at all at uh, Houston, um, but I think at some point you know that you've got Augusta next week. You know what I mean? So, so you might press. Now you you really want to win, or to be honest, not even care what happens. Yeah, yeah. At Houston, if that makes sense, you know. So, so you know, he might have bogeyed, you know, one or two in the first seven or eight or whatever, and be a couple over, and then he pressed a little, and the and the press didn't work, and. You know, at some point, you're like, man, you know, let's just get to Augusta and, you know, really concentrate on that. I think that does play a part, you know, leading into, not just Augusta, but leading into majors. Um, you know, stats are stats, but when, when you really when you really get down to it, it's, it, you know, it's kind of like, you know, the NBA, you know, the, the boys really don't start playing until... Yeah, forty or fifty games into it. Yeah, you know, I'm like, all right, it's, it's sort of one of those deals. Um, not, not that they're not trying to play. It's just you know the the the, the focus, the the narrow mind that really starts stepping up this time of year. Um, and you know when you know when, when you're in the top twenty in the world, you know the rest of the golf tournaments really don't matter as much as what they do the Masters. You know, or the or the Open or the PGA. You know, that's that's where they bank their. Uh, that's uh, that's how they plan the year. 
Yeah, I mean, that, and that that makes sense. I mean, what do you think about guys like uh, you know Paul Casey, Zach Johnson? You've mentioned a couple times. Justin Thomas, Bill Haas, who's playing good this year and has a good history here. Duffner's playing better this year. J.B. Holmes, Shane Lowry, those kind of guys. Um, you know, Ryan Moore, even who I know has played Augusta well. Webb Simpson, who just feels like is better than he's been playing here lately. Chris Kirk, who's been hot. You know, when you think about some of those guys, who are you? Who are you thinking has the game to fit Augusta? Augusta. I keep messing it up. Augusta. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll- you know, I'm probably going. I mean, I really think that this year that I think probably Ryan Moore um, playing sort of just like Zach John. You know, he's got very similar games. Um, I, I I think that he hasn't played great this year, but there's probably a reason for it, as in you know, gearing up for the majors, all that kind of stuff. Um, has he wanted to play bad or, or not up to, not bad, but you know what I mean, not up to his, you know, most of the time in the last couple of years he, he's won before now. Um, you know, I, I think he's a really good, you know, great putter, great short game. Um, I, that would sort of be out of that group. Um, and, and the same with Zach Johnson, you know, he's, he's got everything, he's got everything in his career, you know, that he really wants. And, uh, you know, I guarantee you he's, that this has been his, yeah, since the calendar flipped to 2016, this is uh, this is the one he's been on and off. So uh, you know that that'd be my two in that. Yeah, and that's the thing with Zach that I that I, you know, we we kind of wrestle with is all the talk about being able to hit it far and high and all this kind of stuff. And we know Zach won, but did he win when the course conditions were a little different or? You know, can he compete with the level of field and the bombers that are here in 2016? Like, do you think that he can really hold up against some of these guys this year? Well, I mean, if, if he can, you know, guys like I'm not just saying that. You know, guys like that, they don't make mistakes. That's that, that's the big key. Yeah. Uh, coming uh, coming down the, the stretch on Sunday on any golf tournament is have you got a great short game? Um, because the nerves are going to kick in. You know, you're going to be a bit nervous. So you're not going to make as many birdies. Have you got the short game to hold up? Uh, and I think someone like that, if they're in contention, is more of a favourite than a than a bomber. You know, you, you get to you know you get to 15, you get to 13. You know, you got to be really able to. Sure, you might have a four or five line in, but you know, Zach's only going to make par at worst. Yeah. You know, someone like that. You know, so uh, I definitely think that plays into the account. It's a uh, it, it's a different mindset, but you know, someone with his mentality um, that's done it before um, knows how to you know obviously win the Masters um, is is definitely a big advantage. You know, just stick to the game plan, and I'm not going to say let them come back to you, but wait for mistakes, and if it happens, it happens. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Let's let's look at some of these young guys, Stephen. I mean, you know, I mentioned earlier talking about some of the first timers, and um, you know, even guys like Spieth were obviously a, a first timer at some point. So you know, you got folks like Justin Thomas uh, in this year, Matthew Fitzpatrick, Bryson DeChambeau, who uh, you know seems to be uh, quite big on himself and I think uh, might have a have a good uh, – we'll, we'll see what, what his career is like. You got like Emil, Emiliano Grillo. 
you know, some of those guys, Andy Sullivan, uh, you know, tell us a little bit about them and, you know, maybe some that could surprise this year. Smiley Kaufman. Oh, Smiley Kaufman, He's been too, playing definitely. well. Yeah, I, you know, out of that, I'd probably go Smiley. Um, just just for the fact that, you know, he's a, he's an awesome player. He, he can move it both ways. He's a great driver of the golf ball. Um, you know, Masters first time. Who knows? You know, the, the, the first the first sort of nine holes or 18 holes, being a young guy and, you know, just what everyone goes through is if they can get through that, it's um, it's really just not a golf tournament. You know, well, once once they realize that it's just, as I said, just another golf tournament and, uh, you know, the course is not that hard in the way of, you know, yeah, sure, Sunday afternoon it is. You know, we're yeah. all yeah. on, but, yeah. you, know, it, it, you know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, it's really... You know, it's not that hard. It's you know, you, you golf shots. You're going to make your birdies. You're going to make your pass. Um, you know, obviously Sunday afternoon. But yeah, I would probably say based on uh, I really haven't played with the other guys. Uh, I haven't played with Smiley um, at all either. But I, I think that he's uh, he's obviously a great. You know, what's he made two million bucks this year in his first year out. Um, yeah. So he can yeah. He's not scared. He can. Uh, you know, so he, he might be one. One, uh, one down there to watch out for. And he can, he can make some birdies, too. He can, you know, from what I've seen, I mean, he's definitely a scorer. Have, have you played many rounds with Kiradek, the body, Appy Barnrat? Uh, I have not, no. No? No, I have not. I saw, I, I saw yeah. him today at the, mat, at the drive, chip, and putt, and, man, that guy's got a figure to die for, <laughs> that is for sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm, you know what how are you feeling man how, how are you feeling going into the masters like what are you what, what are you what's your what's your gut how, how are you feeling about steven bodish's game going into the masters yeah obviously i'm not i'm not as confident as what i was um last time in 2014 but yeah played today and uh switched out my driver and and uh, played pretty good today. So that's uh, good. You know, I think. Yeah. So uh, I mean, my irons are great. I just can't right now. Uh, I'm just struggling with the driver and hitting it out of the toe. And uh, but yeah, it's it's pretty good. You know, change the driver around and and uh, it'll be alright. I I think uh, I might surprise myself and a few others. Sounds good. What um you know? Do you guys ever? We've asked most of our our, our guests on the show this question. You know, there's been a lot of talk this year, especially about daily fantasy sports. You know, Pat and I talk about DraftKings a good a good bit, PGA and 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 DraftKings and fantasy golf. Do, do you feel like that there's been a you know a a positive impact on tour as far as fan base or you know do you hear about DraftKings being out on tour? Do fans yell stuff at you? Um, other than Twitter, do you do you feel anything on the golf course? Do you feel the impact of fantasy golf? Do you feel like it's good or bad for the game? Yeah, you do. You know, it's that's a hard thing. You know, traditionally, you know, it's it's different. So uh, you know, when you start getting into that, you know, fantasy world, it's a little different. You know, it used to be just sort of. I guess uh, drunk guys out there having a good time, you know, um, <laughs> yelling at you because you, you know, you did it in the water or whatever. Um, these, these days, they, you know, 
most of the time when they're when they're screaming out something, they actually genuinely care. Um, which you know, there's obviously two ways to look at it. But ninety-five uh, percent of the time, it's uh, it's great. It's great for the game. It's it's great for fan interaction. Um, you know, and you know, you spend your three bucks and you can make a hundred grand or, or whatever it is. You know, it, it, it's pretty neat to be able to get um, fans that really don't understand the game but understand gambling and then that's the best way, you know, once they start understanding the game through gambling, you know, we'll get more and more people playing. Absolutely. I mean, you know, Pat and I talk a good bit. I mean, we, we wouldn't be watching, you know, the Zurich Classic if it weren't for, you know, sites like DraftKings and just getting us into the game the way that we are and knowing the players that we do and, you know, knowing what I know about Fabian Gomez, you know, is just ridiculous. But I never would have known it before <laughs> DraftKings. So yeah, I, I, I feel like it's it's got to be a good thing for the PGA Tour for sure. And it's it's good to hear, you know, every player we've had on has said they feel like it's positive for the game and they feel like it improves, you know, fan interaction. And, you know, while they, they hear people yelling at him, you know, Scott Brown's talked about hearing people yell at him that they got him on his on their team this week. And, uh, you know, whether it's good or bad, it's um, it's fan interaction, and that's important. So, yeah, I mean, it goes down to the old, uh, you know, the old saying, no, uh, any publicity is good publicity. My bad. That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Well, awesome, man. We we uh, we greatly appreciate you being on, and you know I appreciate as the as the co-host of Tour Junkies you accepting my co-host Pat's apology, <laughs> and and being just a stand-up guy and a good sport about it. And man, we we are pulling for you hard for the Masters and the rest of the season. Talk about the rest of your year, like how what's the outlook for you for 2016? Are there some uh, some events you kind of have circled that that you really want to show up and play well. Obviously, the majors. You know, talk about maybe the the rest of the majors as well and what you feel like your you know your year is gonna gonna look like for you. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm a little different. You know, I'm, obviously, I want to play well in the majors, but you know, my, my game uh, obviously right now is, is not where I want it. Um, so, you know, the, the majors are great. You know, I'm defending champion of Byron, so I want to. You know, that's my home, home, uh, home course and and uh, home area. So I really want to go out there and and, uh, and do my best. So uh, right now, to be honest, that's probably my major. You know, in my mind, um, yeah, that's the one I'm really gearing up for. Um, you know, in San Antonio, I've, I've won before, um, and I love the golf course and love all the people and and all that kind of stuff. So that's you know, those two. Those two tournaments in in my world right now is, is what I'm really gearing up for. Um, yeah, do I want to play well next week? Absolutely. Um, do I want to play well and you know it true? Absolutely. But uh, you know, right now, you know, realistically, uh, I know my game's not ready to uh, you know to, to go out and uh, and uh, win Augusta and, and whatever. But you know, if I'm playing well, sure. You know, if, if it happens, it happens. Yeah, man. Well, we really appreciate you you coming on, and I, I wish the best of luck to you. And uh, as David said, I definitely appreciate you accepting my apology and having a little fun with it. Um, this has been awesome, and and we're uh, we're looking for big things from you this week. I, you know, I think you're going to have have a good tournament. Uh, so we're excited, and 
and uh, definitely look forward to, to seeing you out there. You're, Thanks, man. Appreciate you're, it. You're going to light up Augusta. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to happen. You're gonna, hey, you know, let me ask you this. Do you ever Have you had the egg salad sandwich and the pimento cheese at Augusta yet? You, what's what's your what's your your sandwich of choice? Uh, I gotta go with the uh, the pimento cheese. Yes, Absolutely. yes. Have, have you had any of the the domestic or the import beers by chance? Yeah, I've got a uh, I got a tally I got a tally still in my uh, in my cupboard of the cups that we uh, <laughs> we may or may not had a few years ago. Uh, you know, so, I'll probably go to the export. Do do you know what the what the uh, what the imports and the domestic are? Uh, top of my head, Del Secchi's. No, no, I'm not good. Not Del Secchi's. Pat Pat actually has the answers for you on that one. Well, I I think no, I, I think I have the inside track. He's, I think he's a beer connoisseur. I think I think the domestic. The domestic regular is Budweiser. I think the light is Miller Light, and I think the import is Heineken. I'm not positive though. All horrific. <laughs> yeah. What's what's the what's the what's the domestic beer of choice in Australia? Well, we we where, where I grew up is Forex. So you uh, yeah Forex Gold just. We're sort of that sounds that sounds treacherous. Yeah, well, I, I think I think they call it forex because uh, I don't think we're real smart and we can't spell beer. That's why they put forex. So. <laughs> yeah, you've got uh, you got forex uh, VB, which is in Melbourne, and then uh, well, Sydney's sort of in between. Uh, it's kind of state to state. You know, so it's it's not Fosters, right? That's that's some crap, right? No, I actually don't know anyone who ever drinks Boston. <laughs> <laughs> a bunch of Americans, I guess, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, exactly, a bunch of Americans. What's, what's your favorite American beer? Favorite American beer? Uh, I'll probably go, um, probably go Bud Light. Yeah. Really? Bud Light. Yeah, I'll probably go Bud Light or... I, th- I thought you... I'll, I'll probably go, uh, yeah, Coors Light. I thought you were going to say Natty or something. You... Yeah, you and Boo with uh, your... Yeah, I don't. The only time I drink Natty Lights is when Boo gets the private plane. And I got to bring a case of Natty Lights on there. <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, well, what about what about liquor? Like, if you're sitting down at the bar, are you are you just always 100 percent of the time a beer guy? Or are you ordering a Are you ordering some liquor every now and then? Uh, yeah, I'll occasionally have a. Uh, I'm a gentleman. I'm a Jack guy. Uh huh. Oh yeah. Yes, yeah. sir. Not not very often, but occasionally. Yes, sir. I hear you. What about the family, man? What's uh, your your wife's American, right? Yeah. So yeah, Amanda. So you yeah. married up a little bit. Married up, very much so. <laughs> and uh, yeah, she uh, she went to UNC, and uh, so she's she got a big day tomorrow. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, she's a uh, she's a producer. She's actually working the masters. She'll be in the Mcatee Tower. Really? Yeah. Did is that is that how you guys met? No, we actually, no, not at all. Um, we actually met uh, we when I first moved over here in two thousand five. Um, we met at uh, I was putting up 
ping pong table and she was walking to the trash and I, I looked at my trash and it was empty but I still figured I needed to take it to the trash and, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it went from there so uh, <laughs> wow. That's yeah, we basically uh, we basically met at the trash <laughs> All right, that's a that's an interesting story. Um, well, that's cool, man. We uh, that sounds good, man. Well, you, you've you've you quickly become a tour junkie's favorite, and we appreciate it once again, Stephen Bowditch. And uh, man, we we wish you the best of luck. We hope to see you on Sunday in the hunt at Augusta, doing your thing, and uh, and definitely defending at the Byron Nelson. Um, you know, like like you, uh, like I know you want to do. So we we appreciate it, and uh, thank you for being on, Stephen. And thanks for thanks for being a good sport to Pat. He's he's a douchebag, but you've you've, oh, you've been gosh. a nice guy. Come on now. <laughs> no, all good boys. Appreciate it. Thanks for the time, huh? <laughs> yeah, man. And thank- Pat, yeah, so I do. Uh, I'll think about it again tonight, but I do accept your apology. Oh, I appreciate I'm it. Not man. sure if my wife does, but I do accept. <laughs> <it>. <laughs> I'll be, I, you know, maybe if I ever get to to, to meet her in person, I'll, I'll try to endear myself to her as well. So, <laughs> hey man, if you're out, if, if you're out there over the weekend, uh, yeah, you you see my wife, yeah, just take a few steps back. And do that. <laughs> you know, I mean, despite despite having a face for radio, Pat's actually a ladies' man. It's kind of crazy how it how it works out. He's, uh, uh, oh dear, he he kind of he can kind of win over the ladies pretty pretty easily. It's weird. Okay. Yeah, it's it's weird. It really is weird because he's not a good looking guy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, boys. Come on, I'm gonna go to dinner with the wash. Wow, that was an incredible interview with Mr. Stephen Bowditch, and we really, really enjoyed having him on the show. What a great sport and. You know, Pat, how are you feeling right now? You know, you kind of had to lay it down a little bit and and put your pride on the shelf for for Mr. Bowditch, but he was he was a good sport and a great guy. You know, Mr. Bowditch, um, he really was a good guy, and, and I feel like a big weight is lifted off my shoulders after that. I mean, it was uh, as if you if you may have noticed, I was a little bit quiet. Actually, I was very quiet at the first part of that because um, you didn't hear a peep out of me until the apology. Uh, so I was a little nervous. Um, you weren't allowed to speak until spoken to. At yeah, that point. <laughs> yeah, that's how it turned out. That's how it turned out. But um, no, nah, he was great, and uh, what great insight! I mean, he yeah. was. Um, yeah, he was giving us. Um, he had a couple couple notes in there. A couple players that I've been eyeing. I know you have two that mm-hmm. we're going to talk about in the podcast. So I was, I was. I mean, I was like kind of internally pumping my fist when he said them because I was like, yeah, I was thinking the same thing about those guys. So um, you were internally and a couple times externally. You pumped, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you I pumped was. your fist. Um, so that was exciting. So I, I really enjoyed it. Um, really appreciate him coming on, and I hope he comes on again because that was a lot of fun. And um, anyway, just a great way to kick off what to me is the best week of the year uh it's um i mean there's no other way to say it is special we were out today at the drive chip and putt contest and and i know you were out there too and we had a great time it was it was the first time i ever got to take my two boys out there and i'm going to admit 
when I got up this morning, I could, it was like Christmas morning. I got up really early and, you know, I, I turned it, I think eight o'clock is when it came on the TV and I, I popped it on and, and I had, you know, I, I brought my boys over and put them in front of the TV and I could just see the, the light in their their eyes and, uh, you know, kind of had a little tear in my eye. I was excited to bring them out there for the first time. So, uh, you know, anyway, what a great day and, and we got to see a lot. So, what, what about you? What, what were your thoughts you know, being out at the drive, chip and putt? I hear that happens when you get old. You get really sappy. You do. And that, and that might be what happened. Yeah. That was the second time I'd had my boys out there. But, yeah, Pat and I were out on the golf course today at the drive, chip and putt. It's a fun event. A lot of locals go to that event. You always end up seeing a, you know, a dozen people that you know. It's a great day to go get your shopping out of the way. So we we went straight in past the drive, chip, and putt competition and went to the pro shop and spent our, our money. And, you know, and then from there enjoyed ourselves and had a, had a few barbecue sandwiches today. Mm-hmm. Uh, plan on having a few more tomorrow. Um, no green cup disease as no beer is served on the Sunday of the drive, chip, and putt. We got to keep it. Keep it kid friendly. Yeah, they keep it kid, and they keep put a big friendly. sign out too because they they know, they know everybody wants beer. To, yeah, they know everybody wants to know where's where's the domestic yeah. and the import. But it says no beer sold today right. in in bold writing. You know, I also let me tell you what I did today too. This, my day got off to a rough start. Thankfully, it ended well. But I took the family and pulled into the Chick Fil A parking lot this morning as well on the way on Washington Road, which. After I pulled in the parking lot, my wife's like, you know, it's Sunday. Chick-fil-A's closed. So I'm like, damn it. It's such a rookie. No Chick-fil-A and no beer at the National. It it started out rough, but it ended well. You know, and I will say as far as the the experience of the drive, chip, and putt is great, man. You know, I was out there to shop, to eat, and to, you know, watch my son hawk some autographs which he does very well (laughs) he did well he's kind of a hustler with that um he is but we also saw some players you know augusta got quite a bit of rain over the weekend it did but it doesn't matter the golf course is immaculate um the greens are fast i I feel like um you know things are going to be fast this year is what i feel like we saw a number of players um you know I saw Vaughn Taylor, local Augusta mm-hmm. guy. He was hitting the ball pretty well on the range, actually. We watched Keegan for a good while. Keegan and uh, and David Lingmurth spent a number of, of hours on the on the putting green. In fact, Lingmurth told my son that he heard of the Tour Junkies podcast, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah, that is cool. So my son had the shirt on, the Tour Junkies shirt on, and asked Lingmurth while he was signing a glove for him, which we appreciate, if he'd heard of the show. And he said yes, actually he had, but he'd not listened yet. So hopefully Lingmurth listens one of these days. And um, but a, a very cool thing. He's a great guy. There's so many. You know, uh, Bubba stopped by and gave an autograph. Jason Day, Matt Kuchar. What? So how many drives and how many chips and how many putts did saw, you actually see today? I saw today? about three drives, <laughs> zero chips, and two putts today. <laughs> I saw two chips, I think. <laughs> nice. Um, uh, another funny story is my, my five-year-old actually gave an autograph today, <laughs> which is funny. We'll save that for another podcast, but my five-year-old was asked by an older lady, to autograph her master's flag today, <laughs> which which is a riot. But um, did did he sign it right in the middle of the? No, he did not. No, he did not. <laughs> so we'll get to that later. But yeah. it was a, it was a good time. I will say, 
Keegan was putting pretty well today, though. He I did was. see he was rocking those Jordan high top uh, high top golf shoes, which I lusted over for a minute on the practice green. I did not, right? Because you're old. And then um, he was putting well, though. He, he did, put- yeah, he was. And you know, Oosthuizen dropped the putt. I, did we, no, you weren't there for I this. I wasn't there for Oosthuizen. Oosthuizen dropped. He walks onto the putting green, drops his first ball on the putting green. Literally putts to the farthest flag you could putt to, probably fifty feet, and hits it. His first putt. Mm-hmm. So that's a good sign. He, he was putting well. Lingmurth spent a ton of time on the putting green today, um, making himself make some some putts. That so he was he was dropping them pretty well. What a short guy! That dude is short. Like Shrek is short. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's very. really short. Very. Anyway, there's that. But, I, you know. Drive, chip, and putt. It was amazing. As the drive, chip, and putt was going on, the Shell Houston Open was wrapping up. And, uh, you know, we did not get to watch a lot of it being at the at the course today. But definitely saw on Twitter and saw, you know, Jim Herman pulled it out. Apparently just a, a great story. Again, Henrik Stenson can't finish a golf tournament and win against – you know, Jim Herman. You know, you had the Russell Henley call this past week, which was pretty nice. Yeah, he's... As Henley he's, uh, had a nice finish. I just like him on greens like this. Um, you know, fast, quick greens, but um, kind of faltered a little bit down the stretch, but he still helped me out in a lot of lineups. I mean, from relative to price, he did, he he was fantastic. So, um, but yeah, Stinson, I mean, I don't know. Maybe they should start, uh, you know, if they could put like a... a Bet to get second in a tournament. You know, he'd, oh, yeah. he'd be a great bet. <laughs> he'd be a killer. I mean, yeah. top five, he's he's killing it, but he can't finish it. But Herman wins and gets his invite to the national, so he is on the way. He will be added to the field. Uh, Rafael Cabrera Bello had another phenomenal week following up his performance at the WGC. Uh, obviously, a pretty hot player right now, and Cabrera Bello is still not in the field um, on DraftKings as of this recording, but I'm sure he will be. He'll, we'll, be, he'll be tomorrow, I think. Yeah, um, but so 90 players, uh, I believe, is the count. 90 players at the national this year. Um, tell us a little bit. You know, we're not going to get too heavy into the golf course because if you don't know the golf course by now, um, don't put money in DraftKings. And uh, but we'll talk a little bit about the golf course, and Pat's got a, a little weather that might be of of interest for you. So let's get started there. Yeah, I mean, not you know typical to what I would normally do because I really don't need to run through what course we're on and the yardage and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it's the same course we're playing every year, obviously. So, um, but I don't think you know one of the biggest things that people always look at year to year out at the national is is the changes that have been made. And there really hasn't been a whole lot of changes this year. Um, you know, I mean, there, there's a few tweaks here and there, but nothing that's that's major like we've seen in the past. And, I, and we may see in the future, um, because as we know, um, and we've talked about for on, uh, on some other podcasts, is that, uh, you know, the, the National may be looking to purchase some property from the Augusta Country Club and back up 13 and do some things to, to lengthen it out a little bit. But... Um, you know these players. It's, it's going to be fast this week. You know the greens are going to be really fast. Um, you know that that sort of high ball flight. I think is going to be what you want to want to look for. Maybe that apex height 
stat that you like, David. I mean, maybe yeah. that'll come into play this week a little bit. You know, Bowditch kind of touched on the high ball flight. Yeah, so I think that's going to be important. But weather-wise, it's going to be an absolute gorgeous week. Uh, Thursday, I think we are going to get a little rain, which could soften up the green somewhat. But I'm still thinking you're you're going to see just firm and fast the entire week. I think wind could be a factor. It was very windy out there today. A little breezy for Augusta, yeah, which is not the norm. Normally yeah. it's still humid yeah. air. So I think I think the wind is going to be a little bit of a factor this year, especially in the afternoon is when it tends to kick up a little bit. Um, so that's something to pay attention to as we get further in the week. Um, definitely look at, at the weather on the wind. And, and um, I've always been – I've said this to you before – I've never been a huge on, you know, playing morning versus afternoon or that kind of thing. But I, I may actually think about that a little bit on those first two days this year. If I'm seeing where the afternoon, the wind is, you know, maybe 15 to 20 miles per hour, whereas the morning guys are going to have, um, you know, a little more sublime um you know, conditions. So, you know, that that's going to play a factor for me this, this year. Um, so, anyway... I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a fantastic week. The course is just an absolute gorgeous condition, as it always is. But for some reason this year, it just seems like even better. They've topped it. So um, can't wait. At one point today, my kid dropped some M&Ms on the, on the ground, and we told him to pick them up. And my aunt, who was out there with us, was like, what? And I was like, yeah, it's Augusta National Grass. It's probably cleaner than my house, you know, like just yeah. pick it up and eat it and shut your mouth. My kids were pretending that they were like digging to China or something. I said, no, no, you do not even pluck that grass, <laughs> that blade of grass. I mean, they were like, I, I don't know. It was just, I don't even, I didn't even want them grabbing the grass right. and, and just pulling it out. It was just driving me nuts. Nice use of the word sublime earlier, by the you way. Like that? that was good. Um, I do think the wind will, will, could play a factor if it's anything like today. I mean, I think today, if they'd have been playing around today, it would have had an impact. Very tough. Um, for it would have sure. Been very tough. I mean, I, we were standing back there on number one. I know you saw Jason Day tee off on number one today, and I saw Troy Merritt, uh, defending champ Marco Mira, tee off on number one. And, and the wind and was in your face on one, which would have been just a disaster. But so keep a lookout on that. We'll be on Twitter, you know. Wednesday evening talking about some of the AM, PM waves, if that's what we need to do or that's what we need to look at. And obviously that would also apply to other formats like Yahoo and stuff like that. Um, You know, one thing to keep in mind about this tournament that is different than others is the top 50 and ties and or the 10 shots within the leader will make the cut this week, which is different. I put out a tweet a couple days ago that said the percentage of the Masters field that made the cut in 2015 was 56%, in 2014 was 54%, and in 2013 was 65%. The reason that's key is I think primarily for the cash games, um, you know, you will have a, a slightly higher percentage of players more than likely make the cut uh, for the Masters. You know, typically we would see somewhere between 45 and Forty-nine percent of the cut will make you know will make it on any given week on the tour, other than the, uh, other than the Masters. So keep that in mind for a cash game. Um, I, th- I think especially as far as stats we're looking at, you know, Pat and I are um, weighting heavily history um, at Augusta. 
I think if 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 you're ever going to wait course history, if you're a stats guy, yeah, the one the one week you're going to convert over to a course history and and, and guy is going to be this week. I, I'm putting the least amount of weight I've ever put in on stats this week. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that is important. Um, recent form also important. Uh, I'm also looking at strokes gained tee to green, strokes gained putting, which normally I don't look at. However, you know, I do think the Augusta National was not thrilled with Jordan Spieth lighting up the golf course the way he lit it up last year. I think the golf course is going to play fast. I think the greens are going to be running hot. So, you know, guys are going to have to make six-foot sliders for par. You know, six-foot sliders for, for, you know, for that for that birdie. Um, when they had an eagle putt, you know, so you're gonna have to have guys that can put the ball on fast greens, <gasps> scrambling as well. I tweeted out. It's a little confusing to catch, but I looked at the last three years. Okay, in the last three years, players who finished in the top ten in the last three years of the national finished top twenty-five in the field in driving distance. You had fifteen players hit that mark. You had 28 players hit that mark in scrambling. So I think scrambling is going to be very important on this course. Um, having caddied there, having played there, having watched it you know, countless times, you've got to be able to get the ball up and down and, and like I said, make those six-footers. So your guys that can scramble, I think, cannot be overlooked. I do think driving distance is important, I think more so than accuracy. I also tweeted out there's really only one hole on this golf course that you can really lose your ball, and that's on 11. So I think driving distance, and and Bowditch alluded to apex height being a thing, driving distance and being able to carry the ball over certain, you know, um, uh, you know, certain places on the golf course will be key. So those are kind of all the things we're looking at. The other thing that's that's huge this week because it's a major is ownership. Mm-hmm. So Pat and I, you know, if you listen to the to the first impressions podcast, we talked a lot about the Millie Maker. We are really going to talk about cash game lineups, and then we're going to talk about the Millie Maker. No other contest. And in the Millie Maker, you have got to separate your team from the rest of the two hundred something thousand people who are going to be in that contest. We, you know, if you haven't heard, we're not going to spend a lot of time on it tonight, but. We kind of broke down last year's winning Millie Maker lineup from Brett Marino, uh, and we talked about you know the makeup of his lineup. So go back and listen to that. But for the purpose of GPPs, we're only going to focus on the Millionaire Maker contest. So that's really what we're looking at and what we're keying on for this week. Before we get into the players, do you have uh, Pat? Do you have anything else that that you would add as far as like a you know, something to think about or a caveat here for this this tournament? No, you know, I mean, I think, um, again, I'm just, I don't know. I think, you know, there's a lot of different strategies I think you could look at for this, especially for the Millie Maker. Um, you know, one of the things that I think first jumped out at me is, is sort of going right along that average price line just because of the way these these prices turn out. But I still think you're going to have to have those top few guys. You're going to have to either – you know, find a way to fit some a day in there or a speed in there, and then and then, you know, just be really good at your research on the bottom level with those value guys. But um, and so that's what I hope we're going to bring bring tonight 
to the table. But I'm ready to go. Yeah, let me just say, we've had a lot of podcast juice tonight. Yeah, we have. <laughs> so. Yeah, we have. Yeah, we have. If, uh, because it's Masters Week. I mean, why would we not? <laughs> I mean... It's... um. <clears throat> Trust me, we have put a lot of effort into this show. However, we're recording this on Sunday night. We're getting ready to go spend the full day out of the course tomorrow. It's um, it's been the guys a good... from No Laying Up. I'm excited. About yeah, that. with the guys from No Laying Up. So if it's not out by the time you listen to this, we're going to be on the No Laying Up podcast. If you guys don't already listen to that, you should. If you don't follow at No Laying Up. Uh, on Twitter, you should, and nolangup.com as well as a phenomenal site. Those guys are hilarious. I think they got a lot of good new merchandise coming they out. They do have some new merch coming out. They've got a new website coming out. Yeah. I don't I don't know if it's ready yet, but I think it'll be ready pretty soon. Check them out. We will be hanging out with them tomorrow on the course. But, yes, we've had some, some podcast juice, if you will. Well, let's put that juice to work. All right. Let's talk cash games okay. first. Let's just get it out of the way. All if right. you're playing in a cash game, that you know you're playing with some buddies. You know, Pat and I play in a league with some buddies. We've also got the listener league. So for the first time this year, we're really excited about the listener league. You've got. Um, by the way, if you got an email from us and you got the invite to the listener league and you have not put your team in, you better do it now, or we are going to send it on to the first alternate groups. But the Listener League is a 50-man contest. Contest, You know, let's say you're also... Contest? That would be the podcast you was talking. <laughs> uh, you know, let's say you're also playing in a smaller league or you're playing in some double-up contest, which wouldn't be a bad week to do this as you've got a lot of, a lot of uh, rookie money in the pot on DraftKings. So where do you start, Pat? You know, let's not... We don't have to go, like, person by person here on, on, the, on the list of DraftKings players, but... Where do you start a cash game lineup, and how and how low do you go? Like, where do you stop your cash game lineups, and how much do you care about ownership percentage in a cash game lineup? I don't know. You know, ownership percentage. I don't know if I'm I'm really that concerned about. Um, you can actually go pretty low though, price range wise on on some of these cash games, um, just because of the the quality of the field. I mean, you can you can go almost down to. Um, you know, really up in the high five thousand range um, with a guy like Scott Piercy at fifty nine hundred. I mean, I think that's a a great price for a guy who is is very solid. You got Smiley Coffin right there at six thousand. Um, so just on that low range, I think those are two guys that you know I may look to fit into some cash lineups. Um, on the you know the higher range though. Um, not talking about the guys like your Rory's and your Spieth and your Day, just the top three guys. Um, you know, I really love. Um, there's there's a couple guys up here that I really love. One of them being Justin Rose at 9900, and also Ricky Fowler at 109. I think those are two really good prices for those guys. I think they're very good cash lineup plays. Um, so th- those are two that I'm, I'm probably going to be looking to. To fit in the to those lineups, I love starting the cash lineup with Ricky. You know, I, I'm not going to be concerned about ownership here. I like starting with Ricky. I love the Justin Rose call, the Stenson. You can actually get a nice lineup out of going Stenson, Matsuyama, and Rose. Yeah, um, love the Scott Piercy call. Scott Piercy is actually a player that Pat and I both 
talked about before the podcast that we liked for this, and then Bodich mentioned him. It was kind of a fist pumping moment for us in the show when when uh, when Bodich mentioned that that Piercy's kind of got the game for this, and Smiley Kaufman as well in a cash lineup. The guy just, I mean. Smiley's a first-timer, and in a cash lineup, you just need to make the cut and go out there and score a little bit. you know. But the guy has not been afraid of any tournament or field he's played in all year. So I think you can definitely go as low as those two guys in a cash lineup and, and fit those, you know, the Ricky Fowler combo. I, I mean, I kind of like, even though, I mean, here's the thing. Like I said, I about 55% to 60% of this field is going to make the cut, which is higher than normal. So are you are you okay scrapping Rory, Spieth, Scott, and Day to give yourself a more balanced, a slightly more balanced lineup? Yeah, I am. In a cash game. In a cash, Only cash yeah, game. Yeah, in a cash game I am. And another reason, too, is um, because I feel like I can get a guy like Brant Snedeker in there at 8,500 who has a great course history and is going to allow me to fit more of those those top end guys in there, um, you know. So I think you can scrap those guys and still have a very solid cash lineup um, because you can look at if you say you put you know like a Stenson and a uh, and a Fowler in your lineup, drop down to like we talked about PRC and and a guy like Snedeker. You know, I think you're just you're looking at cut makers right there. And um, you're looking at guys who are going to finish well above, you know, well above where they're priced. And, and so, um, yeah, I definitely think you can. What do you think about the strategy of going to a, like starting at the average price? So, if you're in, let's say you're playing in a double up, or you're playing in a in a in a league like we play in with a smaller amount of people, twenty, twenty five, fifteen people, mm-hmm. and you've got um, a player who wants to go, you know. Danny Willett, Brooks Kepka, Jimmy Walker, Patrick Reed, Snedeker, and Oosthuizen in one lineup. Yeah, I think that's a good strategy, especially for cash, because I think there's going to be some folks that are going to want to put, you know, Rory in a lineup, Spieth in a lineup, Scott Day, one of those guys, because they're so hot right now. But if you just drop down and you sit there and you say, okay, I'm going to put Snedeker in a lineup, I'm going to put Jimmy Walker in a lineup, Kepka in a lineup, Willett in a lineup, um, you know, Kuchar. You know, one, Casey, all those guys are all on good form. They're all playing well. They're all right at the middle average price line. You get all six of them in your lineup. I think that's going to cash for you. And even though you're fading those top guys, you know, in this case, we're just looking to, you know, finish in the top half. And though, I think if you get those six, you know, making the cut, which I think they will, you're going to cash, you know. I think that strategy works in a double up. I don't think it will work in, like, for example, our listener league. Or even the league that we play in with our buddies. Yeah, but I, we're talking cash games here. We're not. Well, yeah, but talking, when I think cash games, I'm double thinking up. double ups or double 50-50s. up. I think that'll work if yeah. it's like our listener league. You're gonna have to have. I mean, there's 50 people. We're paying out top five. Just a tournament lineup. And I think it is. I think it's a tournament lineup. Okay, I think it's kind of a tw- a, a, a tweener, if you will. It's a blend. It, it's a tweener, which is hard for me to say right now. <laughs> but I think it's kind of a tweener. All right, so 
Are, are you comfortable with the cash? I'm I'm good with cash games. I think that's I think that's it. I, I think, think you cash can go as low as are, don't go lower than Pierce. Don't get don't get cute on a cash game with no, like VJ or don't Fred Couples. Even yeah. though we love Fred Couples, don't get cute with those guys in a cash game. Just do your do your Piercey Kaufman at the lowest. Yeah, and or or just stay high and go Harris English, who Bodich was high on. Yeah. You know, go go English. We're not trying to ignore Bodich, by the way. So or Bodich, but he may be a GPP. He's more play. of a GPP play, only <laughs> so, because of ownership. Yeah, only because of ownership. Um. So anyway, that's your cash game. Now let's get into the Millie Maker. Okay, because that's that's really the thing that's that's big. So on the Millie Maker, we talked about this last week. You have to have the winner. Yep. There is no doubt. If you look at your six guys that you pick. I don't care how many lineups you do. I don't care if you do one lineup or a hundred. If you have one lineup where you think that of the six guys, there's not anyone in that lineup that's going to win, don't do it. It's just a waste for number one. You have to have all six guys make the cut. That's a given. You're not going to make a decent amount of money if they're not. And in the Millie Maker, you're talking about a $20 ticket or a free ticket if you win it in some kind of qualifier. I mean – for the sake of our show, we're not going to talk to you about a lineup that would win you $40. Right? Like, who cares? Yeah. That's not you what either want to win. I mean, if you're putting in 20 bucks, like, let's win a grand or a million. Who, anything in between. Because anything else, it's just not, it's not why you're playing the Millie Maker. Right? Mm-hmm. So for that reason, you're going to have to get a little a little cowboy with it. You can't. You need to look at every lineup and have a little bit of of that feeling in your stomach, like mm, that doesn't feel good. And I think if you've got that, but you've also got somebody who can win it, and you've got six people who could make the cut, and you got some low ownership, that's what's key. But you got to feel a little queasy about every lineup, don't you think? Yeah, I think you do. With 200-something thousand people, 200-something yeah. thousand entries. Yeah, you're going to have to get a little bit crazy because, um, that's just, I mean, that's just the way this goes. I mean, look at the, the British Open lineup that won a million, you know, back last year. It had David Duvall in there. David I mean, who, who's freaking thinking, Duvall. Yeah. Were you thinking of putting David Duvall in Hell your lineup? no. He's broadcasting one week, and yeah. then he's winning somebody a million dollars the next week. It's crazy. Now, I don't think you're going to have a David Duvall type this week. You think Selena's daddy is going to pop up on the leaderboard? Felina, uh, uh, Fabian Gomez? He could. but That'd be pretty, that'd be pretty Millie Maker totally, of you. You know, I'd rather go Bowditch. <laughs> oh, definitely. Um, but, all right, so, so you've got to have the... T- so here's the question. To me, there are... Here's the guys that can legitimately win this golf tournament. And there are... I do think this is going to be harder than ever because there are literally 12 guys that can win this golf tournament very easily mm-hmm. and are playing great and have the form. Rory, Spieth, Adam Scott, Jason Day, Bubba Watson, Ricky Fowler, Phil, who's playing outstanding, DJ, Justin Rose. I, I don't know if I can say Stinson because he can't close, but Schwartzel, Matsuyama, and Ustazen. To me, that's the first cutoff. Yeah. Do you have to have one of those guys in your lineup? Yes. Yes, you do. That is true. Yeah. I agree. Do you have to have two? 
I think you have to have two. I do too. As a matter of fact, I, I think my favorite strategy this week is picking two of those guys and centering them in your lineup in the in this Millie Maker and then going with some of the lower price guys because they're such good lower price players in this field. Mm-hmm. Um, so me, you know, as far as the Millie Maker's concerned, where you gotta be a little bit different. I actually think my two favorite guys to pair up are Rory and Phil, hmm. which I don't think are going to be a huge pairing, okay? Because Rory's a top price guy, and he's kind of been a little bit up and down this year. He's had some fantastic rounds. If you've watched him this year, he's been absolutely unbelievable at times, and then he's had some blow-up holes. And if he has blow-up holes this week, he's not going to win, obviously. But he's my guy. He's my pick to win this week. Um, so I love him, and I think if you can pair him up with Mickelson, who's played fantastic this year, and obviously we know he has great course history, um, I think those two guys paired with some of these lower guys like a Sneds or um, you know somebody down in that that level where he is a Neustizen or whatever, I think you can you can put a good GPP lineup together. So those two guys to me, I'm going to have an at least a few Millie Maker lineups. What now? You can have at least a few what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to say that again. I said, I said it once. Um, yeah. Okay, so remember this too. Last year, the guy that won the Millie Maker had Jordan Spieth, who was 30% owned. I don't think any player in this field is going to be 30% no. on this year. And that's because, because it's too hard. Because there's that's so, right. Yeah, there's there's no too way. many good guys yeah. that are playing well. I mean, Phil's ownership this year should be – I mean, he was like 11% last year. I think he'll be up from that um, just with, you know, given how he's played. So I'm not crazy about Phil in the Millie Maker. I, love, I actually don't mind him at all in cash, but I'm not, and I think he's going to do well, but I don't like him in the Millie Maker just because it's such a public event. So I think I would disagree with you there. I do think Rory is going to be pretty low-owned. I just hate paying that much for him. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Spieth is a complete fade for me right now. I think something is off with Jordan Spieth. Yeah, I agree. And, and I think it's in his in his – his like full swing. I mean, he hit some iron shots. This, I mean, he still finished top ten. Listen, but if you have, if you pay for Spieth or Rory, you need him to win in the Millie Maker. We're just talking Millie Maker, and we're just talking what's going to win you a thousand dollars or more in the Millie Maker. And I think you need both of those guys to win. And I don't know that in this field, in this level of competition, with this many guys playing this well. Spieth can win right now. I, yeah, I hate to say it, but I just I feel it. I'm fading him too. I mean, I just think that um, I don't know. And he did. He played well today at the shell. I mean, he, he did. Had, he had yeah. a good round, and uh, he did. But something does just seem off, and, and it's you know, who knows? I mean, he even said himself that he was a little bit distracted after he, you know, had such a good year last year, and he he didn't quite know how to handle you know, what this year was going to be like. So, uh, I mean, that's, that's hit, hit, you know, hit in his own words talking about it. So, I don't know. I just – but it's hard to sit here and say that you're going to fade Spieth and then, yeah. you know, we could easily be sitting here next week and he's one back-to-back and we're looking like idiots. But 
Um, wouldn't be the wouldn't be the first time. Yeah. All right. Top five guys: Rory, Spieth, Adam Scott, Jason Day, Bubba Watson. Rank them in ownership: highest owned to lowest owned. Who's the highest owned guy? It's got to be. It's got to be Day, right? With given form, recent form, and the price, number one in the world. I think Day's going to be the highest. Owned. Day's number one. Yeah. Day's number one. I think um, Scott's going to be number two. No. Yeah. Huh? Won it here. He's won two times this year. The public, which plays a lot of this event, the public will have forgotten about the form he's in. And it will be All right, if it's Spieth not, if because it's not he's back Scott, to, because he won it last year. Rory no, because he's I think he's Bubba's Rory. way more popular. Yeah. No. No. He's we won agree. it two out of the last... Three or four years. I, I get that. It's it's going to be Day, Spieth, maybe Bubba, Rory, Scott. I think Scott's the forgotten man in this. Hmm. Okay. Which is interesting. Scott is playing well. I, I do wait putting at this golf tournament more than more than any other golf tournament. You've got to put the ball well. And I know he's been putting better since he lost the, the, the cheat stick, but I don't know. I, let, let, me, let me do this. I'm going to throw you off a little bit. Throw me off. So I just put together a little GPP Millie Maker lineup. I want, you to, I want you to tell me what you think about this one because I was talking about Rory and Phil. Mm-hmm. What do you think about this one? So Phil, Rory, Piercy. Ryan Moore, Leishman, and Smiley Kaufman still have $400 left over. That's a pretty good sounding lineup to me. It's not bad. And that's one thing we need to talk about, too, is leave money on the table for the Millie Maker. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. I'm leaving you've $400 got to leave, on the table. You've got to leave money on the table. Yeah. So you got to have the winner. you got to have all six make I'm the cut. I'm saving that one, by the way. Go ahead. you got to have all six make the cut. you got to leave money on the table because every noob out there that's playing the Millie Maker for the first time is going to spend every dollar. Yep. So leave money on the table. I don't mind it. I mean, I don't mind it. I don't think that's bad. No. All right, so dropping down. Brendan Grace, Brandon Grace, I, I, he was a pretty heavy Masters favorite a few months ago. I'm not really feeling him right now. I don't, I don't think his game's in great form. Um, maybe, but I, I'm just not. I'm not feeling it. Snedeker missed the cut here last year, but definitely playing well this year. Can can putt well, gain some distance off the tee a little bit. So you know, I think the next tier down is is Grace through Kisner. I would say, um, stopping at Tiger. Obviously, Tiger's not playing, so we'll <laughs> stop there. So what about Grace through Kiz, which might be in the Millie Maker event, which might be kind of a lost group. Because if you get, if we agree that you have to have two at the top, you got to have two in that first tier, from Rory to Usti. You're not going to have many in this group. Yeah, I mean, I think... Actually, I agree with you. Um, one, 
two of my favorites in this group are right there together with Leishman and Willette. I mean, I think Willette has shown that he is just a world-class player. He's playing really well right now. Um, I think this can be a tournament that he can sort of uh, break through with a win. Um, and then Leishman, you know, we know he played, uh, you know, in the final group with Scott a few years ago when Adam Scott won. So I think those two guys are they're, they're really good prices at eight thousand and seventy nine hundred. Nothing about Leishman is, you know, he was right there at the end of the British Open. Um, so the guy can play majors well. I think he's, you know, sort of gears his game for that. So, you know, those are two guys that I really like. Um, Willette, for me, has been a fantastic cash lineup guy. I think he's always underpriced. I think he's underpriced again this week. Um, You know, so those are two guys that I really like. Um, My boy Kiz, I'm a little bit concerned about. He's even said himself, I believe, that he hasn't been putting so great lately. So, you know, he has to – got to putt well out here. Um, so and it's his first time, and and I think you just got to fade that in general. I mean, the the stats show as much as you want to take him, as much as I want to take him because I like the guy and he's a local guy. Uh, you know, it's it's just hard to take first timers. Um, now there's a few, especially the cheaper price guys like a Smiley or somebody like that, um, that are probably worth a shot. But kids being in this price range. I just don't know if you want to take him as a, as a first-timer. And he's going to have a lot of distractions. I don't care what, you know, he may say or anybody says. You know, he's around his family. He's around his friends. You know, there's going to be people calling out to him, to, to him during the week, you know, maybe wanting tickets or whatever it is. And so I just think you got to you got to fade him this week. I just don't see him, you know, having a great week. I hope he does, and I hope I'm wrong, actually. I hope I'm yeah. very wrong saying yeah. that. But but to me, I'm going to fade him, and I'm not going to put him in my lineups this week. Yeah, I would love to see him win. Yeah, hell I mean, man. I would love to see him win, but I'm with you. I'm, I'm not going to have him in lineups. I just don't think this is it. Um. And I don't mind Leishman or Willett at all. And I think both of them are going to be pretty low-owned guys. In fact, I think both of them will be lower-owned than the two I pick out. But I think if I'm going to have, if I'm going to have players in this level, I'm going to have Kepka and I'm going to have Reed. Um, both guys who can get it out there, you know, playing a little uh, – Reed's playing a little right to left. And a scrambler, we know that, that he can scramble, which I, I know is important. We talked to Bodich about Kepka and his finish at the Shell Houston this week, uh, missing the cut. Not the greatest of form, but you know, probably gearing up for the Masters. First time played it last year, but he was injured with a rib injury. So take that into consideration when you look back at last year. He still made the cut, actually. I think he finished top. I want to say he finished top forty, top thirty, top forty last year with a rib injury. First time. So, uh, you know, and we had him on the show earlier this year, and he said he liked hard golf courses. I think that'll work. He's kind of one of those guys that can bomb it and putt the ball well. So I think Brooks is a great play. I do think he'll be pretty heavily owned in the GPP. So I wouldn't look to differentiate yourself with Brooks, but I still like the play uh, in the GPP. So kind of rounds out that, that category. Dropping down, you got Casey. Um, I, I would say the next tier is really Casey through Harris English mm-hmm. um, would be kind of my tier. I, I'm going to fade Casey. He's just not been playing that great. I'm not. I'm not crazy about Casey right now. I love Harris English, which is the bottom of the tier, and we that was another fist pump moment for us with uh, 
with Bowditch. Bowditch talked about English being kind of a value, and obviously as a Georgia boy, we like that. I don't mind English. He's been playing pretty well this year, but I'm going to fade Casey at the top. See, I actually like Casey. I mean, I think when he's playing well, I think that this is a tournament that he can still, um, you know, contend at. Um, You know, he was seventh at the Cadillac. He was ninth at at, uh, Arnold Palmer. Um, So I think that, you know, I don't know. He, he to me, is a guy that could be a relatively – Low owned, sort of sneaking in on the radar, good GPP play, especially in the Millie Maker. So, I, I'm going to go against you. I think Casey um, is a good play this week. He has had some some decent finishes in this tournament. So, um, I'm going to go with I'm going to go against you there. You're going to pivot off of Eldrick and go. Yeah, go I'm going to pivot off of, <laughs> of Tiger and go Casey, but. Also, I'm gonna pivot off. Like you know, I think Zach Johnson. I'm gonna fade at 76. Really? Yeah. See, I think Bodich kind of talked me into him a little bit because I was fading him before, but Bodich yeah. kind of made me. But it, you know what though? On the on the other end, though, I will say that you know the one year he won, he was one of I believe two or three players that won this tournament over par. He was plus one when he won it. So, you know, and the reason it was like it was the, the conditions were very tough. We had some ridiculous weather that year. Um, so if the winds pick up and they're really high, and, you know, we just saw he won over at St. Andrews, you know, he could be a good player in that, in, you know, windy sort of tough conditions, just a really good putter type atmosphere. But if it's just clean and, you know, benign and not too you know and sublime and sublime i think uh so check your wednesday yeah check check, your wednesday weather zach's a guy that if if the weather looks tough i'm gonna throw him in some lines but if it's not i'm fading him i'm I'm a little more into zach but not much more justin thomas i'm fading because of putting alone again six footers for par that are sliding and, and rolling at a 14 you can't play Justin Thomas on those. Yeah. I love Bill Haas. Love him also. Bill Haas has found his way into a ton of lineups that I've done, just kind of preliminary lineups. We talked about him on the uh, First Impressions pod. He's got a great course history here. His dad played well here. His family has grown up. He's, pl- he's grown up playing this golf course. And, you know, I don't, I don't think Bill's going to win it, but I think he can finish top 15. Yeah. He's going to – I think he's – you know, should easily beat out his price. He should. He should yeah. outvalue. He is my favorite player by far in the range that we're talking about, yeah. and I will likely because of that fade everyone in that range except for English. And then one more player that I like in the Millie Maker is Byung Hun An, mm-hmm. who we saw a little bit today out there practicing. Does anybody know he's a top thirty ranked golfer in the world? I think I do, because I've talked about that dude a good bit on the podcast. He is one I've been on. He's playing well in WGC events. He's playing he's actually played this event before. He's yeah. played the Masters before. It's been a few years, but he's played it. So he's not a first-timer. He's clearly shown this year that in strong fields, he's not, he's not afraid. The guy can score. You know, he's been out there this weekend, you know, rolling it around on the greens, and, and stri- he's a stripe show anyway. I like Byung-Hun An, especially in the GPP Millie Maker. Yeah. Uh, that's about it. You know who, who uh, Bodich mentioned that I just can't get on, even though, you know, he probably has a little more inside 
track than I do is Martin Keimer. I mean, every time you I mean, can't get with that. He's a world class player. He's he's he dominated the U.S. Open. He's done you know everything that makes you want to take him, but he never plays well here. The like, players, he does well. He just yeah. But no, I, I'm totally. I can't get that one. Had me had me scratching my head. Yeah, I was scratching my head on that one too. And I'm not going to pay seventy one hundred for him, but which is you know maybe probably the right price. But I just I just. I don't know, but I and again, right underneath him, you got Harris English, who who he did mention, and I like him too. I think he's got um, a good game for this course. He's obviously um, grown up playing on courses like this. Um, I believe he's from Macon, Georgia. Um, so yeah. he's he's uh, you know kind of a local guy, and and I think Harris English has a good. You know, if he's going to be your Larry Mize Georgia boy, he might be the Larry Mize Georgia boy pick of the week. So, all right, so let's get into the value plays because this is really where you're going to win it. And, uh, you know, let me just say this too. I mean, if any Tour Junkies listeners place well in the Millie Maker, please screenshot your your green screens and, uh, and tag the Tour Junkies. We would love to pump that out, and we hope you guys just have a fantastic week. And um, but as we dip down into the scrub range, this is really where the rubber meets the road. You got Jamie Donaldson and below. You know, first of all, let me just cut out a little bit of this 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 field here. Below Troy Merritt, I'm I'm done. I'm not. Don't get cute with any of those guys. Yeah, Sandy Lyle, Larry Mize. You know, even if you're a sap and old like Pat, you know, just don't take Larry Mize. But Troy Merritt to Jamie Donaldson, there's there's some definite good value. The first guy that that, that jumps out is Kevin Na, only because he's 6,900. He's a good player. He he jumped out on the leaderboard first couple days here last year. I think he finished T12 in 2015. I think he's a complete fade, only because of value. I mean, only because of ownership. He's gonna be highly owned in the Millie Maker. I think you have to fade Kevin Na. Now, listen, I think Kevin Na could top five this event. Like I think he's that good of a player, but I think you fade him for the Millie Maker. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. I agree. Also, I, I just uh, Nas is a guy that I think everybody's going to gravitate towards because of that price and and where he has been in 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 the past. It if you're if you're you're not, maybe not a more experienced player, but if you plan DraftKings golf for a while, you're probably going to want to gravitate towards Nah. But I'm going to be fading him this week. Um, you know, I think right there at 6,800, Ryan Moore is just fantastic. I mean, that is just a great play. Great course history um, has been really good this year. I believe he's made seven out of eight cuts and three in a row. So he's just a guy, and he's. He's always up there. I mean, you know, he was—he didn't do too great at the Arnold Palmer, but he was third at the Valspar. He was 10th at Northern Trust, 11th at the Phoenix Open, 10th at the CIMB, CIMB Classic, 10th back at the Fries.com. So the guy's just, I mean, solid, and he plays his course well. So to me, that's just a cheap price for him, and uh, I don't know. I like it. I love Ryan Moore. He's made four out of the last five cuts here at Augusta. He was uh, around 11% owned last year, so I do think he's going to be a little higher than that even this year. But I do love Ryan Moore sneaking in here. I think he's got like five top tens this Mm -hmm. season, which is just amazing. 
Yeah, Kevin Nye was 18% last year. Now, he was on a roll last year. I mean, he was, like, hot. I think he's made, like, seven out of seven top 25s going into last year. He was he was pretty hot. Yeah. And I still think he'll be higher than Ryan Moore, but I, I do like Ryan Moore at that level. Uh, what do you think about Keegan? What's your thoughts on Keegan? I don't know. I love his shoes today, by the way. He had yeah, some I know shoes. he did. I, I just don't know if I can get on Keegan. I could see him getting out to a hot start, though, and maybe being like a first-round leader. He top-25'd it last year. Yeah. He was 13% owned in the Millie Maker. Playing better last year, though. So I think he'll be lower-owned this year, which might not be a bad play. I mean, he's got the length for Augusta. If he can get the putter going and he just doesn't do yeah. dumb stuff. He might not be a bad Millie Maker play. I would not trust him in a cash game for anything. But, I mean, we know he's got top 25, uh, you know, history last year. He can He's probably got top 10 upside. Yeah. At that price, that's, that's not bad. I think Charlie Hoffman, though, at 6,400, is going to actually be an over, you know, overused player can't, this week. You can't play him. I think because of yeah. – he's like the prime recency bias guy. Um. Yeah, you know, and that could burn me, but I just I don't know. I just I think I may fade Hoffman this week. There's there's a few other guys that I, I just would rather go that we we're already talking about that um I don't know. He's he's just not I, I'm not a fan of his. And another one too is Vaughn Taylor. I'm not a big fan of him either. I know, you know, he's a local guy and he won a tournament and you know, with Pebble Beach, which he played great at, but he really just hasn't done anything since then. So I feel like you you gotta fade him. This week as well. Um, Berger interests me a little bit, though. Nope. Nope. He don't, you don't, there's not a little bit of you that wants to look at some Berger this week at 6,200? Mm-mm. Nope. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's because I want to just follow him to see if I just happen to bump into some, some other people. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I'm not on Berger. I'm not on Hoffman. Uh, ownership, again, last year popping up on the leaderboard, finishing well here last year. He was T9th not last year. Playing playing well at the Houston, uh, getting some, some TV time. You just can't play him. Um, so not a fan of him, not a fan of Berger. I'll tell you who – one of my favorite, probably my favorite play after Ryan Moore, and I'm going to jump on the on the Pat Perry train here and go a little Chris Kirk. Yeah. Now, Chris, what did you say about Chris Kirk like two or three? I weeks don't ago? remember. It I almost caused us to break up forever. It, it almost split the tour junkies. Yeah. Um, Kirk with a T33 last year and a T20th the other time he's played. You know, so he's made two out of two cuts. He's playing well this year. He's flying under the radar a little bit. He's kind of boring. You know, he's just kind of a boring guy. I think he's the perfect, you know, 6,700. I think he's a perfect GPP play right now. I agree. So I like the, I like the little Chris Kirk action. Kirk and Moore, easily my two favorite guys in the GPP. I love Smiley Kaufman. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong, love Smiley. Play him all day long in a cash lineup. You cannot play him in the Millie Maker. If you want to win $1,000 or more in the Millie Maker, you can't play Smiley Kaufman. He's going to be so highly end. Mm-hmm. What do you think his ownership percentage is going to be? I would put it at 17%. That's podcast juice talking. It's not going to be that high. It's Smiley <laughs> Kaufman. Because of if I think he's going to be at. 13. Oh, we're talking 
13. Okay. Well, write that down. Okay. Write that down. Let me write that down. We'll see what happens. Anybody else here? I mean, what? Uh, Scott Piercy. We love Scott Piercy. Yeah, love Piercy. Um, we we talked about him before the show. Then then we did we didn't say anything to Bowditch about him. And Bowditch mentioned him. He's in good form for the casual public player in the Millie Maker. I don't think Piercy's going to jump off the radar at all. No, I think I think he's a great play for the. I, I just I love Piercy this week. And Bowditch. I think Bowditch could be a good play. He might be the perfect GPP player. Yeah. Everybody's off of him. The we only, have to have him in a lot. We will have him in a lot. The, yeah. the the only people that are going to be on him are probably the listeners of this show. Yeah. Which let me just tell you, mm. you're probably safe to go ahead and roll with him in the in the Millie Maker. Yeah. <laughs> He's going to be low owned. <laughs> yeah. But let me ask you this. So I know you weren't going to drop below Merritt or whoever you said that maybe Piercy Gomez whatever, but. A lot of times in the Masters, you get some of these old guys that tend to just pop out of nowhere. This is your wet dream. That so this like is Fred Couples yeah, wins yeah. the Masters. So this is kind of like this is kind of like the the pop the cherry four thousand four K guy. So if you're gonna pick an old guy, if you just want to have one of these old guys in your lineup that you just you just think could maybe have that magical Jack Nicholas eighty six week. Who is it going to be? Who is going to be your old guy player of the week that's going to make the cut and maybe make a little run on Saturday? He's probably going to fade on Saturday. But who who is that guy going to be for you? Well, it's easily between Couples and Singh. I think off of my gut says Couples. He missed the cut last year, but before that, 20th, 13th, 12th and 15th. He also has the most cuts ever made out of him. Which is pretty strong. Yeah. So that's... that's. I think that's where I would go. But who do you think is going to... Of the old guys, who's going to be lower owned? Couples or Singh? Couples, actually. Because I think Singh has been more um, prevalent on the on the big tour this year. He's played well on the... Yeah, but don't people like Freddie Couples more? And, they and do. And in a public event, they play who yeah, they like. Actually, I don't know. You may... Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking of it from a from an angle of somebody who watches this every year. So you're probably right. It probably is. I think be it's couples. couples. Yeah, I think Singh is the play in the in the Millie Maker. Yeah, I agree. I actually think Davis Love is a good play if Ugh. if you're going with an old guy. I mean, he hasn't played in a few years in this tournament. He loves it out here. I think it still would be a a, a dream of his being a Georgia guy, Sea Island guy to win this. You know, win this tournament. So I actually kind of like Davis, and he hadn't played that particularly, you know, poor this year. He won his way into this tournament. He won his way into it. So I mean, Davis Love to me is is if you're talking about the old guys, I think it'd be a really good play. You gonna have any Selena's daddy? Nope, not at all. Kevin Strillman? No. Nope. I noticed today his forearms are pretty big. I don't know if that you, you were talking about that. It was kind of weird. I, I always thought Strillman was a small, squirrely fellow, but I saw him on the putting green. I was like, "Well, he's yeah, you know, he's got the nappy factor." That he does. By the way, Danny Willett Danny has, Willett the, nappy has factor. the nappy factor. So keep that in mind. Um, just had the baby, Kevin Strillman and Danny Willett. So nappy factor in play, hot and heavy at the Augusta National this yes, week. That's correct. That's going to be key. 
I think I'm going to have to roll with a little. I'm going to lean more towards Willett. Oh, we're totally going to have Willett in lineups. But you got to have Strillman in a lineup just for the nappy factor. Yeah, I agree. Well, I think that I think that about wraps wraps it up. What a fantastic show with Bodich fantastic and this. Show. And, I mean, I don't know. I can't wait. We're going to be all over the place this week. It's going to be. It's, we are. It's. I think that if if you're ever going to follow the tour junkies on Twitter or wherever else, this is the week to do it. It's going to be fantastic. We got a lot of stuff that's been going on. Um, so, hey. We really appreciate the listeners, and we want you guys, you know, retweet this thing, share the link, tell your friends about it, um, help us help us get the word out. This yeah. is going to be. And this is a longer one, but it's a longer it's one long. for a reason, it's, and, and it's totally worth. You know, break it up, listen to it. You know, we're, we're getting it out a little early for you folks this this week, so you got some time to to listen to the entire thing. You don't have to listen to it all at once. You know, just break it up a little bit. Um, it's all good stuff, and uh, it's our favorite week of the year. Um, easily. Easily. Easily favorite week of the year. So, um, you know, and tweet us out some questions. If you got any questions, if you're, co- you're going to be in, you know, be in town for the Masters and you got questions on some spots to hit up, you know, some places on the course, some parties that may be going on, just let us know. We'll, we'll give you uh, our opinion. We've, we've been around for many, many years so we would love to hear from you this week. And before we go, let me read a listener review on iTunes. Five-star review from What Brown Says. Well, What Brown Says is, These guys are nothing short of awesome. Which we would love to think, a lot of people think that. Entertaining conversations, and they break down the field by price points and give you enough information to be able to create multiple lineups. When it comes to Masters Week, their insight to the tournament is second to none. Most importantly, they help me make my DFS screens green. That's what we are all about. Thank you, What Brown Says, for leaving the phenomenal review. We appreciate that. If you have not left us a review on iTunes, please do. That is really all we ask at this point. It helps us out. It helps other people find our show easier. So leave us that review on iTunes and uh, and follow us on Twitter at tour underscore junkies. Even if you're not a Twitter person, that's where we put out a lot of our, our information. So check out the follow on Twitter and we will have some good content coming Masters Week and uh, and we got some good stuff planned after too. It's it's gonna be it's gonna be a good year for the tour junkies. That's all I gotta say. So anyway, may your screens be green as always. Good luck at the Millie Maker. Go for the big time. Don't go for winning 40 bucks. Go for a thousand or more. Get you some cash in that DK bucket. And um, and we appreciate you downloading the Tour Junkies podcast. See ya! Oh! It's maybe the night that my dreams might let me know. All the stars are closer. All the stars are closer. Tell me what you're going to do to me. Confrontation ain't nothing new to me. You could bring a bullet, bring a sword, bring a morgue, but you can't bring the truth to me. Alexa, play Kendrick Lamar and Scissor. Okay. With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need. Get tens of millions of songs. Download the Amazon Music app today. Right now, join T-Mobile and get an unlimited family plan with Netflix included so you can watch in more places than ever before on your phone, tablet, or TV. 
Plus, buy one Samsung Galaxy S9 and get one free with 24 monthly bill credits. So you and your family can binge your Netflix favorites on your new phones. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. Unlimited data on their network. Video streams at 480p. Small fraction of customers using over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speeds. If you cancel balances due, well-qualified customers, full price, 720 plus tax. Finance agreements required. Netflix for two screens. Terms apply.